Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Creative Control with Beach Comic. Ian Grant and Evan Laffer are good friends and music lovers who each live in respective cities in the state of California. Acquaintances since high school, Grant and Laffer became closer friends after graduating and were drawn together by their deep love of music and other mutual interests. Sometime in the summer of 2020, they began a podcast called Jokerman, which started as a free-form conversational deep dive into some of the lesser-known and nuanced aspects of Bob Dylan's work, 
but has since evolved into an equally clever and funny analysis of music by the likes of Lou Reed, John Cale, and other members of the Velvet Underground, Marky e. Smith and The Fall, and who and whatever else strikes them as worth further exploration. As the Jokerman mindset and this popular podcast continue to foster good-humored community among serious music fans, Ian and Evan and I connected recently for a discussion about California life, my own appearance on their show to discuss David Berman and the Silver Juice, Evan's band, Dub Thompson, and Ian's very cool dad and his own interest in music journalism, the band's ought in American football, our shared love of Bob Dylan and other things that we have in common, their work with Stephen Hyden on another Dylan podcast that they make together called Never Ending Stories, why we make podcasts and their cultural pervasiveness and persistence as a dialectical force these days, the Jokerman's generous internet presence, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you so much for supporting the show on, on at, at the Patreon. It's uh, That's the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this show. So thank you again for supporting creative control at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from blackbird music a well-stocked record store with locations in edmonton and calgary and very friendly personnel who will happily help you find whatever it is you're looking for hey if you're not in edmonton or calgary you just go to blackbird.ca and you type in what you want what maybe you want a record by bob dylan or lou reed or john Cale or the velvet underground or the fall or somebody well as i say go to blackbird.ca Type it in, see what happens. It'll come right to your house. They'll figure it out. Blackbird.ca for more information. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 761, not to be confused with Highway 61, of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Ian Grant and Evan Laffer of the Jokerman podcast, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Ian. How's it going? It's going great, Vish. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to see you again. Uh, where in the world are you today? I'm here in sunny San Francisco. It was uh, not this way just a few hours ago. I woke up in the middle of the night uh, to a hailstorm and thunder. But uh, wouldn't you know, the clouds have rolled, rolled east, rolled right out. And it's a little cold, but beautiful, bright blue skies, yellow sun. Doesn't get any better. It's California. You, you're bringing this up, I think, because as we're speaking, California has experienced some freakish winter weather. I mean, freakish for that area. Is that true? It's been a pretty heavy duty winter. Yeah, there's been, uh, you know, uh, there was a whole long atmospheric river sequence at the beginning of January, but since then, it's just like kind of kept going. So it's uh, it's pretty refreshing, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you don't mind the climate calamity? You think this is good? Well, I, you know, I think some water on the ground in California. I think that's enough that's of, from Ian. Asking. I think that Ian has made his uh, opinion on the climate clear now. He thinks climate change is good. I'm the other one from the show um, who might have a more nuanced opinion. 
Um, I think, yes, I Evan, think climate change uh, is clearly, clearly you're there, Evan. Uh, Evan, where in the world are you? Partly cloudy, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> um, <it's> partly cloudy. <laughs> is it that different? The, the, uh, San Francisco is uh, what, north of L.A.? Is that correct? That's right. Uh, okay. That's correct. Uh, six, seven hours drive, um, 350 miles, something like that. Okay, so we're, uh, in Canada we got the kilometers. You guys got the miles. That's fine. I get it. Well, we'll do a <laughs> transcript later to explain and convert everything for everyone listening. But uh, Evan, the weather has also been weird in LA. It's been cool. I like that it is uh, an actual winter. I honestly do enjoy it, cause I, especially because I have been sort of bi-coastal by fate, accident, and choice over the last 10 years. So I, I like the New York thing of there being a colder time of the year and then a warmer one. And it turns out that uh, I'm, I didn't miss out on it this year. It's cold. It's brisk. <laughs> How long have you been in uh, L.A. there, Evan? Well, this has been, I guess it'll be just about exactly a year since I moved back here um, from, from New York City. Oh, you're, you're from there, though. I'm from here. I've just been back and forth constantly at various points, um, like uh, a year here, mostly the last, most of the last seven, ten years have been in New York or L.A. or some combination. You're a big city most guy. You like the big cities. I like those two. Um, you know, those are the two ones. There's kind of they're connected, but they have this sort of inconvenient thing that you have to do to get to the other side of town. Yes, of course. And and New York is a, a place that has seasons, also experiencing weird weather from what I hear from my friends in uh, in New York. But so L.A., what I'm getting at is, gentlemen, my understanding of California is it's less of a seasonal. It's kind of always spring, summery weather. Is that right, Evan? That's the perception. Kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that there is um, something to that. There's something to the the lack of the dramatic changes uh, visibly that I think lends certain character to California. Although San Francisco, where Ian lives, is like just a different thing altogether. It's always like it is here right now. It's always like cool and and brisk. I would say almost. Yeah, always. summer is actually San Francisco winter. Uh, as they refer to it up here, which I've just learned, you know, relatively recently. But uh, yeah. June, July is uh, pretty cold, gray, wet kind of weather. And then uh, come September, October, that's the real heat wave, fire season kind of stuff. I, and yeah. that goes for Northern and Southern California. So you got the fires. Now you got the relatively heavy winter. You got the earthquakes. Ian, why do you live no, in we California? Don't have the, I hope we don't have those. <laughs> well, I've heard I've heard tell that you can have those things. Ian, uh, how long have you been in San Francisco and in California? Oh, I've been in California for 27 of my 30 years. I've been in San Francisco for uh, just coming up on two at this point. I, like Evan, also have only, or had only ever lived in Los Angeles or New York up until two years ago when I moved here from New York okay. uh, in the middle of the pandemic uh, to be closer to girlfriend's family and friends and stuff and just be back in California because that's where I belong. I see. Okay, I got it. Well, I appreciate this little geography lesson. It's a little bit of anthropology or whatever that I do at the beginning of these uh, chats. I want to uh, commend you both on your fabulous podcast, Jokerman. And thanks thanks again, by the way, for having me on because I'll tell you that had a ripple effect. People were messaging it, me really? all over the place. Uh, oh, I've, I don't, I, I don't want to get into a thing where you guys get a percentage. 
but I have a modest <laughs> Patreon. And people are like, I'm, I, I'm contributing because I heard you on Jokerman. I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. So I'm wow. like, wow, that's very sweet. And, uh, and, and I got personal messages saying, for those who haven't heard it listening to us right now, uh, uh Ian and Evan kindly had me on to talk a lot about uh, David Berman, Silver Jews. Specifically, we were uh, meant to talk about the album Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea. Uh, we did eventually do that, right? Was that a, eventually we got there? Was that Evan? Was that unusual for uh, you to have a guest on who goes on and on about whatever, and then you have to? Uh, no, you know? I, I think that the way that we've tended to approach things is like, well, when there's a guest that I think has like a, a special connection to the subject that we want to talk about, we're much happier to talk about those things, those direct connections and personal uh, remembrances and experiences. Then we are just going to like go by rote through the record. Uh, and you know, that's always going to be more interesting, but no, we did both and, and we tend to kind of go all, all over the place, but, um, it was great to have you on to give insight on, you know, the actual experiences you had with David Berman. I think it enriched talking about that record at all yeah like, you know. i appreciate that i think as it worked out i'd actually interviewed david about that record and that's one of the reasons it stuck out for me ian uh I, just to get your take on it was that was that a normal episode you send some you both i think i don't know which one of you controls your email account yeah you sent some very kind words ian i appreciated them uh that that felt that felt good right Absolutely. No, I mean, we ended up getting like two, two and a half, three episodes out of just the one conversation with you because we'd had the whole two hour chat about the record, you know, that was, you know, we, we moved on to towards the end. But before that, we had a whole hour long just kind of history lesson from you uh, yeah. about your ups and downs and, and just kind of life story with David. And uh, I know, speaking for me as someone who didn't know David, came to him, you know, later uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I was up on Purple Mountains when it came out. But obviously, as we know, that was towards the end of his, you know, it just getting the opportunity to talk to someone who knew him and, and had conversations with him and uh, uh, had, you know, some sort of a mutual uh, a bond uh, was intensely rewarding um, because he's yeah. such a unique, you know, kind of special figure. And we have also or had also in the past tried to, uh, get other conversations set up with other folks who also knew him and people have been, you know, uh, reticent to talk about it. So just getting getting the opportunity to, to pick your brain about it was, you know, the, one of the most rewarding conversations I think yeah. uh, we've had on our show. Well, that's very, very sweet and kind. And I appreciate that. And I'm uh, it's all uh, as I said to you at the time, uh, I feel like David uh, gave us and me in particular, I feel like many uh no, sorry. I just want to. I don't feel special, but I think David was giving me some gifts uh, on a personal level, and that's how I feel sure. about it. I feel a lot of gratitude. Um, well, I, your your show does this with all sorts of people. This sort of multi layered and and multifaceted uh, look at uh, art and people and and individuals. I want to talk about this show for those who maybe aren't familiar. But first of all, Evan, uh, how uh, we we I gather there's a California connection. It sounds like there was some sort of New York connection as well. Evan, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Ian? How do you know Ian? Well, we went to high school together, uh, technically. Like, Ian Very was briefly. You were a senior, yeah, when I was a freshman. But I was always kind of friends with older kids. I knew some of the people who were um, older, like in your grade, even when I uh, started high school, just from like doing like 
community theater stuff. I like knew all these kids who were in, in theater, but also a lot of them were in music, like just made music or, or were creative in, in other ways. There's like a couple kinds of theater kids and some of them are the type that will later make a, a band. And those are the <laughs> kind that I ended up being friends with. What, what, and, um, what, what was your entry point into theater though, Evan? What were you interested in doing? Acting, singing? It was, it was, yeah, I, I just did all that kind of stuff as a kid instead of sports because I didn't take to it. And I, I think I was more, I was just uh, a lot more uh, successful at um, doing little uh, routines and, and I liked the storytelling aspect of, of plays and, and classic musicals, I'll say. Maybe not so much like post. 80s anything you know i I like yeah i don't know i like the music man and and carousel and south pacific those ones that still have like old standards on them like you know some enchanted evening uh is on south pacific you know yeah anyway i'm an old queen basically but uh i uh met ian just through friends who were in a, a band and i think that's kind of just how we were acquainted and then we I was just aware of our mutual tastes being kind of uh, adjacent over many years. And eventually, I mean, at various points we would like bump into each other, go to shows together. And um, I I think that's basically the origin of our acquaintance. Is that acquaintanceship? Is that right? Uh, I don't. I don't have dictionary.com open at the moment or a thesaurus, but I'll. I'll <laughs> I mean, we'll is accept, that right, Ian? We'll accept that answer. <laughs> is that how it went down, uh, Ian Grant? Yeah, that sounds that sounds accurate. Um, you know, we. Uh, uh, just, I think got more in touch with each other after high school, as far as I can remember, uh, and yeah, more online uh, than anything. Uh, and there was a lot of back and forth. You know, uh, uh, Evan was mostly in New York and I was mostly in Los Angeles. And then I came out to New York and you were there briefly. And then you went back to Los Angeles when I was in New York and then I think did it again or something. I don't know. It's been a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, and then uh, June 2020 rolled around and, uh, you know, we didn't have anything better to do. And so this ended up uh, ended up being the product of just time to kill. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's what all these things are. We're just killing. Yeah. We're just killing time. Even this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, this is fun. I like doing. Things. I, I I like these conversations because I uh, end up learning about the world. I find. So I don't know if you found that you focused on specific people and subjects, but uh, I find it very insightful uh, myself. Uh, the, the, the this realm. I know those of us in the podcast realm are often mocked these days. There's too many of us. There's too many things. Uh, and we can get into that in a, in a moment, but Evan, just back to you for a second. Cause I want to home in a little bit on your music, uh, background. Uh, are you yourself, uh, someone who plays music, an instrument of any kind? Yeah, I play the drums or I was, I, I was in a band. Um, it, it still exists on some level. My friend Matt and I were in a band, um, and we toured a couple times. We were on a label, um, and, it's uh, one that you've heard of, but you haven't heard of our band because it no longer can you, exists. Can you uh, home in on the band name and the label? It's called. Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah, it's called. It's called Dub. Well, it's secretly Canadian. Oh, I know that. Oh, I know that label. Uh, quite I know well. it, was, yeah. um, it was on Dead Oceans. Uh, it was a band called Dub Thompson. It's the product of 
two friends who were making music in each other's parents' house during high school in suburban Southern California. And um, eventually we produced or we were produced by one Jonathan Rado. It was the first record he ever produced. Longtime friend Jonathan Rado, who is now a well-known producer of indie rock records. And we rock, were like rock his, records. The killers. Uh, and rock. Yeah, yeah full on wow. rock, rock and roll and rock and, and just music albums. Um, long playing records. <laughs> and he uh, he let us uh, – we, we just like went to – I think we were like 19 and we went to Indiana to, to Bloomington and uh, went, we're in this tiny little like rented house and just had all these songs and so we recorded them and – then uh, that got handed off to the label uh, at Secretly Canadian and um, Secretly Group and Dead Oceans in particular picked it up. And it was a time around 2012, 2013, when the idea that two frantic white boys making like little post-punk freakouts was like commercially viable, maybe like uh-huh. that was maybe something that people would want. Yeah. It was a very different time. And uh, so they they let that happen. <laughs> and uh, we went on a tour um, with Ott, the great Montreal band. Oh, I love those guys. Extent. They're friends of mine. They're terrific. Yeah. Um, and they, we, we were on their – it was our first tour in theirs um, as a band. Do you know – um, not to interrupt so. you, but they were – apparently, I had them all on this show together. And oh, ap- really? apparently it was their first ever interview. Wow. Yeah. That's see, you. that's one of the crazy things about – about that group was like, I, I, they were, they were truly, truly great. Like I, and I saw them, we saw them like 30 plus times, obviously. And it was really inspiring to see them. And I, I really, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, can't believe that. I think that that period, the fact that like a band like mine could get signed to a label like that, there was a lot of that going on. There were a lot of these little like duos making, yeah, Music that could all be described with certain catch-all terms, but Ott was a group that I think was far better than most of them, yeah. and um, so that was like an honor to tour with them. And then we toured with Foxygen, which was uh, Jonathan Rado and Sam France, that were longtime friends from mm-hmm. way way back. And then uh, we didn't do anything else, but excited to go back to college, and nobody bought the record. But uh, people, some people still like it when they hear it well i'm gonna <laughs> check it out that. right after because i'd heard the name but i don't i can't say i'm like ov- overly familiar with it but that sounds like quite a trajectory and and so uh before i move on to ian with similar uh, questions also i play the drums and i'm currently for the first time in years working on a project with like a hero of mine remotely where we i play drums and they add bass and now we're trying to figure out collaborators and it's just going right now like today i've been distracted by this today i have behind us there's a list of potential collaborators behind uh, the zoom window i mean (laughs) i have a word doc (laughs) with like uh, a bunch of people i'm going to email today to be like hey weird weird idea but i'm working with someone and we have a thing do you want to put stuff on top of it anyway i won't get into it all i'm saying is evan and ian i think we're pretty similar i'm old i'm older than you I think we might be more similar than maybe we realize, or maybe we do realize it because we've been on each other's shows. All this to say, <laughs> yeah. are you playing much these days, Evan? Well, actually, uh, 
Matt Poulos, my uh, bandmate, and I, uh, he lives nearby now. Like I live in Silver Lake and he lives in East Hollywood. So we finally, after many years uh, where I was apart in or away and um, away from my, my wife, <laughs> Matt, in New York, now I do see him all the time. So we, we actually have been like talking about it would be cool to put out or record music 10 years hence after like now that yeah. we're adult people but um yeah okay cool no it's good god willing. that's good and it's uh it feels like uh there's a lot going on in your life evan and ian and uh i'm glad that uh, uh maybe you're, you're seeing these opportunities as uh you know your joker man audience might want to check out your music you know what i mean like that's cool yeah, that's maybe. cool uh ian similar line of questioning uh and and sorry for keeping you out of the loop here for uh for so long but you work with that's evan okay. you know what it's like and you've been, and you talked to me. We, we, we tend to like to chat. Yeah. Uh, Ian, do you play music? Uh, have you ever played music of your own there? Nope. Nothing. Never, not, you don't know how to play an instrument. Nope. Interested in music journalism. More so that, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm strictly an outside, uh, observer, uh, practitioner, not, not my, not my line of work. So when did you begin uh, to get in, interested in music, perhaps as a lad or, 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 you know, a teen or something like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad, uh, I've talked about this on our show, you know, many times, and my dad has actually been on our show uh, several times, but uh, he himself was uh, you know, a bit of a, a head uh, uh, and uh, made, made it his mission to ensure that uh, his one and only son uh, grew up with good music taste, or what he considers good music taste. And, uh, it, it did, it did work out, but, uh, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, he just, uh, tried to expose me to all the shit that he liked. Um, he came from, you know, he was a huge Bob head, um, and, uh, was also invested and involved in like the Los Angeles punk scene, you know, around like the eighties X is one of his favorite bands of all time. If you've ever heard of them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I got the chance to see John and X scene play many times as a kid. Um, this was also around, uh, you know, the return of rock, you know, early 2000s kind of thing. So he took me to see the White Stripes and the Strokes. Uh, I think we went to the Sex Pistols reunion show oh, wow. uh, at the Greek Theater once. Um, how, and, how, uh, how old were you at that Sex Pistols show, if I might ask? Who would have been 10 or 11? Wow. I think 11. So, Do you have a, yeah. any sense memories of, of that experience? I don't really remember too much. I remember it was at the Greek uh, in Los Angeles, and someone in front of us was smoking weed. Uh, and I think we saw Morrissey there, just sitting in the audience. Um, although most of this is just me having been told this by my father, oh, uh, you know, okay. after after the fact. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, from a from a young age, it was something that I was interested in and uh going forward into the future you know it just continued to be sort of an obsession uh of mine and at a certain point i just locked on to bob himself uh and uh decided you know i needed to get to the bottom of this guy and figure out everything that this guy had ever had to say or do uh and i did that to an extent just on my own uh although i didn't even really break into the real depths of the depths uh until we started the show but uh it uh was just something that had always been an interest and continued to bl- grow and blossom over time for me that's lovely and and just to uh, as i did with evan establish some mutual connections or experiences uh in uh what year is it right now it's 2023 so in 2022 i want to say I was invited mm-hmm. to uh, attend the opening of the grand uh, VIP opening of the Bob Dylan Center in Tul- ah. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, in a, I think it was, it's like April, May or something, right? Yeah, actually, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna take one week back because I randomly took two 
I don't travel much these days, not like you guys, gallivanting across your country and elsewhere, I think. Uh, I, I took two random, seemingly random trips. I went to my visit my parents and attend a, a funeral service for uh, Dallas Good of the Sadies in Toronto in April. Mm. And who's in the room? John Doe. Then uh, the next, the go. next uh, of X, the next week, I believe it was the next week or the within two weeks, I head down to Tulsa because uh, of this thing. Who's in the room with me? John Doe. John was there again. That's I right. thought that was really odd that like I, uh, you know, on some level, I thought that was odd, but it also spoke to, I guess, the community I was a part of. So I just letting you know that, uh, uh, Ian, you and I are very similar. I don't know if I've established <laughs> that, but I feel like we're similar people. Uh, we have similar experiences. So. Yeah. Anyway, it's very. Well, uh, th- go ahead, Evan. You were going to say something. I, mean, I was just. Uh, you run your show basically by yourself, which means that yeah, I guess you do have some of Ian's good qualities, some of my qualities. <laughs> so you have, you know, a one man Jokerman kind of operation going on where it well, takes all the good parts of the two of us <laughs> and none of none of the. We're, shit we're like twiddly d and twiddly dumb over here. Yeah, yeah. It's like the like like hop one... on each other's heads to get. <laughs> It is a one-man Joker-man mindset operation. Yes, I suppose that's a way of putting it. (laughs) Now, let's get to – I appreciate all that background. and um, Oh, sorry, Evan. uh, We should ask you about your bob-headedness just because Ian uh, explained it. Do you have some uh, bob background you want to share before we – because just so it's clear to people, this podcast, Joker-man, has evolved. It is is not just one thing. It can be lots of different things, but – to my understanding, and and based on messages I got from people in bands like American Football who said, Vish, based on your Bob Dylan interest, you should really be on that Jokerman podcast. Do you want me to? Oh, yeah. Oh, Steve from American great. Football was a uh, great, great early guest of ours. Yeah, and he's the one who connected. He, he reached out to me because he's a fan of my show, and they were on once, and he said, uh, this show's great. And, you know, he knew I've talked about on my show that my master's thesis uh, for my English degree was about uh, – uh, the history of the pop culture industry as told via love and theft. Uh, I, I, you know, Great. I just talk about. Wow. I talk about. I want to read that. I know. I can yeah, send that. To I, me, can, I can. Send, my I can send that to you uh, right after we're done. I will say I got an A on it, but it was a bit of a rush job. I, I, I feel like <laughs> a, I finished it the day I finished it and submitted it on August sixteenth, two thousand two. That was. The, uh, God, what was that? The 25th anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. Bob I'm, Dylan's playing in Toronto that night at the Molson Amphitheater in Toronto. That was the first of like six shows I saw on that run. And I, I went and traveled and I saw him in Fargo, North Dakota and Saskatoon and Calgary and Edmonton and, uh, went on a bit of a, a, a road trip. Anyway, my part of my thesis with love and theft. Uh, and, and the history of the pop culture industry is that Tweedledee and Tweedledum or t- I keep doing this. Is it Tweedledum and Tweedledee? I'm the guy who wrote the thesis, the, whatever. They're, they're interchangeable. <laughs> they're interchangeable. That song I said was, I argued, and it was probably based a little bit on something I read from Sean Wylance that maybe it had something to do with uh, Elvis Presley and Elvis's twin. He was born with a twin. And sure. if you go through yes. the lyrics, it's like his master's voice is calling me RCA records. You know what I'm saying, guys? With the dog. Yeah, with the yep. dog. And then that's what Elvis signed to. And the there's stuff about this. Anyway, I wrote this whole thing. Then I go to the show. I don't think he did it that many times. He That night, Dylan plays that song. And I was like, okay, Twiddly. I'm going to get an A. I'm going to get an A on my thesis. Like, that's how I felt. <laughs> Got a soft A. 
82% or something like that. And I was like, that's fine. I don't care anymore. That was such a slog. I'll send it to you with this caveat that it's not perfect, but I thought I sent, I've sent it to Tim Heidecker and a couple other people who've said, wow, that's quite, that's kind of interesting. Guys, we have a lot in common. I just want to say that once again. I feel like we <laughs> Oh, do. yeah. Evan. Wh- we have more in common than you might even realize, not to uh, interject. Just I also uh, <laughs> attained a master's in uh, in in English. Uh, and so uh, I'm making use of that or not uh, by just talking to people about music on podcasts. Nice. Did you did right. you people are often surprised that my undergrad thesis was about the uh, pervasiveness of hip hop culture. And then my master's was about Dylan. And I took it down this uh, circuitous uh road much as that album does uh ian were you able to explore your love of music in your english or sorry was it an english degree you said yeah not not quite so much uh it was more literature but you know they've got you can see on the screen behind me I, i'm i'm a bit of a book's head as well yeah. so uh that, that <laughs> could be head. something to something else to explore in the future you know who likes books and writes books is that bob dylan so i think uh sure. yes i think you i think the three of us and bob dylan have a lot in common that's what i'm getting at well that's right. yeah uh, evan you both have masters uh you know i'm i'm more like i'm i am like you in the sense that i'm constantly making sort of wild uh, connections between things like yeah. Bob Dylan and and Elvis Presley and his uh, stillborn twin brother and so forth. Yeah, Scott Walker is a song about that. I keep mentioning it on the podcast every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, you asked uh, what? Uh, yeah, my Bob origin story. I just you know like anybody else, like heard those first records. Like when you do, like when you're twelve, thirteen, uh, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And uh, at a certain point, I think, yeah, like I, I really loved, like I, I loved like the beat writers and stuff, you know, in high school. And yeah. I was, uh, I think, directly funneled from that into a love of of the early Dylan stuff because it, there's such a sense of connective tissue between, say, like Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg and the rest and Burroughs and Dylan's lyricism, especially on like Blonde on Blonde and and those the big three records. So I think I just had this hardcore belief like boiled into me about his place as being like that, being like one of these types of guys, um, one of these writers. And that made me interested in everything he would ever do because I just was so moved in like so many people are by those early ones. And then I, it's fascinating to find out that like he did all this stuff that's supposed to be bad. And then you listen to it and uh, it, I don't think you, you just start wondering like, is it, is it bad? Like, uh, and, and then Tempest came out in 2013. And so that was like the first record, like Bob record. I really remember like the rollout and going out and buying it and stuff. And um, then I just was like ride or die. And I just wanted to, go back and cure it all. And like, you know, I don't think either of us went really into the, the deepest corners of the, of the discography until we started doing this together, which is why so many of our early episodes now, if we were to listen to them, we would, we would want to slap ourselves silly. Like, it's like <laughs> just the way. Yeah. Anyone out there listening to this show and finding out about our podcast, uh, skip the first like year of, of the episodes <laughs> that are in the backlog for us, not only because of audio quality sounding like shit, but take quality being equally, if not even. Well, 
you know, this is a like musicians. We're learning in public, right? That's right. Yeah. Growing, we're growing up in public. Growing to up quote in public. Uh, another subject of ours. That's right. <laughs> they record. We record things. We present them in public. We, I think, for whatever reason, as podcast people, as uh, audio broadcasters, whatever you want to call it, have put ourselves on this hamster wheel where it's mm-hmm. once a week, twice a week. You're, we're we're just const- we're evolving. You know, whereas musicians, it's like I spent a year. Uh, making a record three years since I last made a record. Uh, and I learned a lot from taking those songs on the road or just about the recording process. Hmm. So you're going to hear a gradual evolution in my discography. Whereas I think with us, and for whatever reason, like I said, we're just doing, uh, most of us have been uh, trained like dogs <laughs> to create content on a regular basis. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I, I I just wanted to do a slight tangent rant about our our plight and uh, and how much work this is. The plight of the <laughs> and, podcaster. The plight of the podcaster. Well, well someone think for, of the podcaster. A question for you, Vish, about that is like, I don't know. Do you do you really feel like it's? Um, I don't know. Maybe this is less of a question or just like an observation on that. Like, I think it. If you want to do this, I, I think that it actually. The only way you can is to get into what I think is actually a pretty healthy headspace of like not thinking of it as being like embarrassing to say the same exactly. thing over and over again. Exactly. And in fact, just like, yeah, like there's so much engagement. Like you were talking about receiving all these comments and, and questions and things and critiques and whatever. I, I feel like we are what keeps us maybe doing it and not getting like tired of it or feeling jaded or whatever is that it feels like um, it's just a, con- a conversation that we are just a part of that keeps going and going. And as long as we're all interested in it, it's like, I don't think we're going to get tired of it. Um, I, 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 yeah, you have to kind of not overthink it. Way, no, I, I just, I think like a musician wondering about their, uh, whether they're fulfilled artistically or whether a record doesn't sell as well as the last time. Most of them, if they can, just keep going. And I have the right. same mentality. I'm trying not to overthink this, but uh, I'm just saying, I, I know we were joking and, and Ian made fun of me for invoking the plight of the podcaster, but <laughs> no, I just I, love that phrase. But I have the same yeah. thing. Like my show has a, certainly from episode one, the first five episodes, I thought this was going to be a totally different kind of show. And then I realized it was too much work and I was one person. Like it was like a, maybe I'll have three interviews uh, an episode, like a magazine type radio show. And I'm like, why? Oh, wow. Why am I doing this? And right. then I, I evolved. And then I also, you know, when we, when I started, there was a whole thing about sort of monologue culture where uh, right. the, the host sounded, I, this, a lot of hosts still do this, I think, where they re- think that they should spend 10 minutes pontificating or, or, uh, opining about something or right. thinking they're really clever. And as you may know now, if you've ever heard my show, I'm trying to just do a quick biographical overview of my guests for someone who may not know and get right to it. And th- that's just something that I, I really, I, it's mixed, a mixture of self-loathing, but also like, just get to it. Like, why, who, why do you think you're this interesting? Just get to sure. it. And, and then you go and then your personality comes through in your line of conversation. So, uh, sorry, we got a little meta there, everyone. I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, our shop <laughs> and, yeah. and, and get to where we, we got to. By the way, uh, Evan, I have a penchant for correcting you. I believe Tempest is 2012. Um, I was going to say yeah. that, too. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yes, I, I should be <laughs> flogged for that mistake, especially because I am Tempest's biggest fan. But uh, Tempe- yeah, no, Tempest, right. anyone uh, should know the year. I just want to say that that, that resonant that yeah. that sticks out for me personally because I wrote something about the album uh, for the company I worked with at the time was a big one, and the Dylan Camp uh, blurbed it, and that ah. to me was the beginning wow. of as I think I've I, I try to do this with all humility, but I can't help but get excited talking to fellow fans. There's now a history of them blurbing me. As just Vish, like I feel like like just small Vish in Canada, and they have a history of sending me things <laughs> and it says small Vish, small Vish in tiny, 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 teeny tiny Vish in Canada. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just saying. I feel like, as you probably have discovered too, doing this show, you enter the realm of uh, heroes and uh, her, like people you admire. Uh, Ian has this experience of doing the show, which we haven't still yet contextualized for people. We'll get there in a moment. <laughs> Uh, forgive me. Has this experience though been, I, I gather it's been fulfilling, but has it given you an access to a people and a world that you weren't expecting? Yeah, definitely. I think that it has demystified a lot of what is going on, you know, behind the scenes, uh, because for so long, you know, you just think of these people or the way that I've thought of them at least, you know, are these legends who are working together and creating this beautiful and brilliant art and putting it out. And then you might go see them. You might be in the room with them, right? If you go buy a ticket and then you go to see the show and then, you know, that's as close as you get for three or four years. And, uh, the only other dispatch you ever get, you know, is maybe they'll be, you know, slightly active on a social account or uh, you'll get an EP or a talk show appearance or something, uh, once a year. But, um, you know, they, they seem very distant and very far away from you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in reality, you know, I think what, what we both come to, to, to learn is that they're all, you know, this is calling this, calling what we do, you, you know, all three of us and what musicians do, a job is not exactly correct yeah. in the same way that like working at an office is a job, but it also is, you know, it is a job in a sense in that it's something they need to work at and get up and do day after day after day. And they earn money from it and they rely on their yeah. livelihood for it. Um, and so there's a whole just fucking mechanism. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> of um, You can curse. This is a, a safe space for for cussing. It's okay. That's it's just right. a regular mechanism. Okay. Take that back. That's right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Did uh, you? Was that sexual? I didn't realize. I, I didn't mean. No, no, no. no, 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 no okay. Not, okay. Just making yeah. sure. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I just drop. I just drop fucking my my everyday language. With, uh, That's a fucking some uh, strange. Uh, yeah, you exactly. guys curse on your show, um, don't you? I've heard you curse. Uh, yes, we certainly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, there's this whole mechanism behind the scenes of just like people making this stuff happen. And uh, and so getting the opportunity to like talk to publicists, you know, and PR people to get line, you know, get interviews lined up with and getting, you know, uh, like the light in the attic guys sent us both copies of the new Lou release a couple years or a couple months ago, rather uh, the archive thing that was just, you know, really fantastic, like amazing treats as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, it's yeah. just like part of part of their job is just to send that to us you know, for free. Yeah. Uh, and I think most significantly, at least, you know, uh, uh, most recently, uh, Stephen Hyden, you know, our uh, our big brother and, and podcast co-host on our new show, Never Ending Stories, uh, you know, he wrote the liner notes for yeah. the new Bob bootleg series fragments and didn't 
didn't say Jokerman by name, but alluded very heavily <laughs> to us in an yeah. official set of liner notes in an official Bob Dylan Columbia Records release. And so even if that's as close as we ever get to the Bob Camp, that alone, I think, uh, makes this whole this whole project worth it. Evan, you'll be more frank about this than Ian because Ian is uh, uh, more uh, has more candor. Did you ask Stephen <laughs> why he didn't mention? Because I reviewed that set and I mentioned you guys by name because I knew who he was alluding to. <laughs> Do you know why he didn't reference the show by name? Because I will also say in the springtime in New York bootleg series, uh, my friends and Daniel Romano's outfit are mentioned right. by name in the liner notes, and yes. I had them in advance because I was writing about it. They sent me like a Word doc. The Dylan Camp sent me a Word doc version, and I said, hey, guys, can you keep a secret? I hope they don't hear this. <laughs> but can you, you, did you, did you know about the liner notes? Dan's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, if you can keep a secret, I'm going to share this with you. And he, he freaked out a little bit in his own, calm manner but one of his bandmates roddy was who's a huge fan of dylan's bigger than dan was able to share that with his father before he passed away oh wow wow. so i i would not normally uh divulge that i'd snuck some information onto a band but since they were mentioned i really am happy i got to do that and have a role in uh roddy's father having this amazing amount of pride in his That's son, yeah, for his so, band. So you're really mentioned. setting Stephen up to face the music here because Stephen, what if, <laughs> what if one, a loved one of ours was on their uh, deathbed and I couldn't show them? That <laughs> so, I was mentioned. Did you ask him why? My though? podcast. Why no? No, I think that I mean the answer is that w- he had yet to really officially join the Jokerman. Uh, uh, universe. LLC. <laughs> the, the the universe. Multiverse. Um, the. The not a multiverse. Sorry, it's not that. It is a limited liability company. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I think, you know, frankly, we just weren't totally vetted in um, in the eyes of uh, one Stephen Hyden, uh, probably. Uh, you know, it's like we're slightly disreputable on some level, which maybe we're not. Be we're we're coming out of, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't take it personally. I thought it was kind of uh, coy and uh, and not. Um, not offensive or uh, dismissive. Well, not to name us. It's an interesting point you raise, Evan. And uh, let's. I want to get into where this show came from, but since it's germane to what you were just saying, Evan, Ian, the the show has appealed to people. I think for one reason because it's both extremely reverent and well researched, but also very uh, irreverent I, on some level. If if something yes. is bad or strikes you as cheesy or corny. Uh, you're not afraid to talk about it, uh, whether it's Bob, Lou, John Cale, whoever. Um, and, and I think that appeals to people. They feel like they're getting the real deal on some level. Um, was that a, dis- a, a conscious decision? Maybe. First of all, do you agree with my characterization of you, how you and Evan <laughs> tend to approach your subject matter? Cause I know it's pretty well free form. Uh, no research. Yeah. Well, we've already, well re- I, I would, I would say that it's not. I don't know, Ian. Sorry, he asked you, but I will. I, when it comes to the research thing, I think that at least my attitude toward it has been like, I really think that you know that's a valid criticism that could be leveled at us is that we don't it's, we don't come at it from like a documentarian perspective where we comb through every fact. And Ian way too often has gone like I on Wikipedia, but <laughs> it, there's real information on there. I will say the point being, I think that we have kind of come to 
uh, the talking about this stuff from the perspective of like, what did the artist give to the public? Like, what did they give to you? What is this record? Like, what am I as just a person listening to this thing supposed to get about it? Like, and I kind of like to think of it that way because frankly, there's, that's all you do get really. There's not, there's no other, there's no reams of text that Bob Dylan gave about knocked out loaded. It's just this album with the same cover on the back as the front <laughs> and you, you have what you have. And it is kind of something that I'm grateful for, for that. It is an invitation to not try to comb through and research everything, but sorry, it's a perfect opportunity for two guys to just talk. Sorry. Research it. though, for me and Ian, sorry, I want to get your a take on this. And also maybe because we've talked about your music backgrounds, I want to get your comedy backgrounds because your show is funny and it's resonating with a lot <laughs> of really great comedians uh, who I respect as well. So I want to get to those two things. Um, when I say research, though, by the way, Evan, I don't mean academic. I mean, you you guys seem to listen deeply. To, oh, sure. I think listening to a record, when people ask me how long it takes to prep for an interview, I can't really, I think they mean the questions, which I don't even have. I don't write anything down. I will pick out lyrics right. and might make a note. My notes will say like basket, which means I'm supposed to remember to ask about a basket because there's some reference to it. <laughs> but I learned long ago not to write questions out because it takes me out of the moment. But yeah. the research is listening, and my family can attest to this. It means listening to an album 50 times. It means reading a book totally. sometimes mm -hmm. more than twice, honestly, if I have the time. That to me is research. I'm not writing things down and writing an essay. I'm immersing myself in the work. So Evan, does that resonate? That's what I mean by yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And I think that's true. Like Ian, I think we both kind of feel that way that it's like, I know we're, we're good researchers. If it, if what it means is to really try to think a lot about the music. That's what I meant. About the artists. Yeah. But, that's what uh, I, I meant. Some people yeah. say research and me and they are kind of upset that it's like, well, you got like, like this was wrong. Like that's the difference between us and Dylanologists. Sure. When I said 2012, not 2013, I was doing some research. No, I and appreciated I'm sorry. that. That's, that's, uh, that's I just, I, it resonated with me because I lost that job in 2013. So I remember <laughs> that I, re I wrote the review the previous year. Yeah, I uh, like to be Ian. giving real info. I don't uh, want to be in. No, no, it's not fake news. It's the Joker man. I, I think, I think it's legit news. And, uh, sorry, uh, Ian, um, if I can remember what the original question was, do you? <laughs> Uh, do I remember the question? Uh, it was, uh, the show is reverent, but yes, also that's, irreverent and yeah. we do research, but it's also funny. Yes. Something along those yes. lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I have a couple thoughts about this and I've spewed, you know, some of them out on the show in the past. Uh, but in general, I mean, I, I don't think of podcasts as like the arena for deeply kind of, um, uh, academic type of material. Um, and I think the Academy is where that should, belongs. Uh, and that is a very select, uh, and self-selecting group of people who are interested in that. You know, you obviously are, are familiar with that yourself, yeah. Ish. Uh, but, you know, in general, people just want to, like, you know, the man on the street, uh, to, to steal a, a phrase from Bob Dylan and sorry to gender it, but the person on the street, <laughs> uh, uh, the average folks out there just want to hear, People talk about stuff that they like and talk about it in a way that feels real and human to them. 
Uh, and so I certainly like want to know what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of the knowledge has kind of accreted over time. You know, it's not a matter of like doing a deep sort of um, uh, uh, dive into some sort of archive for one particular subject. It's just coming back to these same albums, these same people and seeing the way they connect over time uh, and building a really kind of broad uh, and deeper well of knowledge because yeah. uh, I certainly know a hell of a lot more, more about all this shit today than I did, you know, three years ago. And so you can draw on that, you know, when you're when you're on the show, when you're talking about stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of this, to me at least, like I, I and this kind of segues, I guess, a little bit into the comedy aspect that you were yeah. uh, mentioning. Like when I listen to podcasts, I'm listening, there, there are like two types of podcasts, right? There are hangout podcasts and there are scripted podcasts. Yeah. And I know scripted podcasts that's where the ads are. That's where, you know, the big podcast producing studios are. That's where a lot of the money goes. That's obviously not what you do, Vish. That's not what we do. That's just not what I'm interested in when I'm listening to a show. I, I think of it more as like a friendship simulator, if anything. Um, yeah. And so being able to just talk to someone and, you know, have a real relationship and a real rapport with them. And then on top of that, talk about a subject that you both are interested in and that listeners are presumably interested in. And then even beyond that, get guests and other interesting people involved into that existing relationship. Like that's, that's kind of the crux of what the whole thing is about for me. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you flub a date, if you say Tempest came out in 2013, uh, or if you, uh, you know, don't know the exact track listing on knocked out loaded or something, if you think clean cut kid came out on down in the groove instead of empire burlesque, uh, you know, at the end of the day, who who gives a shit on that? No, and I, it's really I, a matter yeah, my, of... my my brain is mush now. There's so much. I was saying this to someone. I was talking to someone yesterday that I'm on a. I mentioned the hamster wheel. Like as I'm listening to a n- new music constantly to prepare right for these interviews, and I don't retain the music the way I did as a kid when I was listening totally. to the same. I would listen to Wu Tang Clan for the whole summer every day, and still to this day <laughs> know the lyrics to Thirty Six Chambers, but. But that's not the case for more recent records for me. That's just not the case. Like it, yeah. it is a weird part of uh, the consumption. But I think it also speaks to the way people consume things now. And to follow up on what you were just saying, Ian, about the way academia works versus a podcast, I'm like 20 years removed from academia, to be frank with you. Like I worked at a <laughs> university uh, in the, la- in, in Saw the last Saw enough dec- to know that you didn't want to be there. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm wondering, though, is with all this uh, increase in this kind of discourse, if I might use a university word, sure. I wonder if it's impacting academia. Like if if a bunch of these younger people, like you mm-hmm. guys are younger than me, you're also out from school, what, seven, seven, eight years, nine years, something like that from when you would have graduated probably, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I graduated college in 2013 and then I graduated yeah. grad school just three years ago. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm on ago. the right, I'm on the right track. What I'm saying three is if ago. people of your vintage are entering this kind of realm or consuming this kind of realm where it's like right. in some cases it's rather educated people trying to have thoughtful conversations, which is, if I may, what university and college is supposed to be about. Sure. I just wonder, and I'm not trying to suggest we're going to change the world here, gentlemen, but I just <laughs> wonder if it's causing a bit of a change in how people die dialogue and, and, and think about things. Cause I think, you know, that big company I was talking about that I used to work for, uh, in around 2012, 2013, they were like, we're out. We can't do podcasts anymore. We can't figure out how to make money. The interest is waning. Then Serial came along, that right. show, not the breakfast food. And they said, <laughs> oh, 
Okay. And then they started to copy that. And then, as you guys maybe know as well, the landscape did change because everyone, it kind of came back. If it, if it was waning and now I'm just waiting for the bubble to burst. Like how long are people sure. going to spend list? How much more time are people going to spend listening to other people talk? But it doesn't <laughs> seem to be waning. My show's doing better than it ever has. If I may, you guys are doing well. What was my question? Oh yeah. Evan, do you think that what we're doing and this kind of constant thinking and talking about things might be having like a, a ripple effect in the culture or something like that? Yes. Uh, I think, yeah, yes. Like unequivocally. Okay. I think that's partly why I feel even compelled to do it at all is that, you know, you can look at it as like, how long are people going to be continuing to listen to other people talk? But the fact that it's so much of it as guests is, is actually like the people who, it's not just people who want to hear other people talk. There's people who want to talk about it who want to come on. It's like an active thing of like having these conversations and it, and then people listening to it and then being part of the conversation. And then there's this other side of it, which is like, there's the artists themselves. A lot of the people we've had on are artists. And I think they uh, maybe really the reason why we've had, and you've had so many people eager to come on and talk about these things is that artists want to have that other side of the coin be available. Like, and just like we would love to, we want music, you know, people who just talk about music all the time need to listen to it. Yeah. I think artists themselves actually really want to talk about music and talk about art. And then everyone else is just listening to both of those. And at some point deciding, well, maybe I want to be the one who talks about, this stuff or maybe I want to be the one who makes it and I think it really feeds the it's part of this ecosystem of art and uh and what you could call it critique or just discourse or whatever they all feed into each other and I think it makes everything more fertile um to have a an active culture of people involved on the side of like on the front lines like on stage yeah and people like us and have there be this connection that's like forged and is um, continuous is really valuable. And I think that it actually does bleed uh, into a lot of things that are, you know, I think it's really an important thing to do right now because of where we find ourselves with, you know, rock music. It's like this incredibly new thing and it's already at risk of being, kind of forgotten these like core tenets of it. these like main texts are kind of like somebody who's like five years younger than me might not know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even if they do, all they might have to hear about it is somebody get, saying it's an 8.5 or saying it's a light three or whatever. It's like, and it's fleeting, it's the- fleeting too. Like, like I said earlier, like yeah, people are yeah. just moving through this content Okay, that's over. The album came out. We're never going to talk about it again. Maybe at the end of the year. Cataloging it. Maybe if it's like yeah. it makes a year endless, it'll come back. But that's kind of weird, right. weird too, that uh, things don't last. Anyway, Evan, I didn't mean to cut you off, but so, I pre- Yeah, point being, yeah. no, I mean, I was rambling, but point being that, yeah, exactly that. It's like there's, I think a lot of kids right now, like a lot of younger people are interested in music, but like they have, there's this kind of like this like 
cataloging uh, attitude where it's kind of like this is a list like it's all list based yeah. like this is the best records and it's okay computer and then it's slint spiderland and then it's like all these kids know these records now yeah yeah but it's like yeah. there's these foundational artists who are still with us like we're gonna look back at some point and you know i i personally and ian i'm sure you feel the same way like the thought of looking back later and realizing I didn't do anything to like talk about one of these, these artists while they're still with us would, is just like, it makes me sick. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I don't want you to vomit. Just calm down. (laughs) It's okay. No, I appreciate that. Before we move on, uh, Ian, did you want to add anything to what we were just discussing? Yeah, no, I, I I think that that all, you know, I co-sign all of it in general. (laughs) One other note that's just uh, uh, something that I'm cognizant of, both as, you know, a participant, someone who's actively participating in this now, uh, but also as a consumer, you know, uh, of of discourse and and media in general, is just like, you know, music, you know, the whole culture industry, the culture criticism industry is, is like, has undergone a radical transformation over the last couple of years and is still in the process of doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's only going to accelerate, I think, into the future. And whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, that's just beauties in the eye of the beholder. Uh, but there has been this like hollowing out, you know, of the, the middle class of the cultural critic, uh, you know, like Entertainment Weekly magazine, which I used to read every fucking week as a kid you know, when I was 15 and read like their little movie reviews that were written by hacks and, you know, didn't have any sort of insightful uh, yeah. commentary uh, really, you know, kind of, um, it's not, uh, uh, you know, Godard writing about. It's like capsule, um, capsule John reviews. Ford or something. Yeah. Cap- exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that was a really important, just like kind of, uh, uh, way to dip my toes into thinking about things in a more considerate kind of manner. And today, you know, like Evan said, like you've got pitchfork and you've got all music and you've got, uh, um, uh, you know, certain YouTube critics that <laughs> will right. avoid, uh, shitting on too much. Right. Um, and then you've got, like a zillion random like fan accounts on Twitter and on TikTok and on Instagram and stuff. And there isn't like that central, you know, kind of thing in the middle stuff that used to be Melody Maker, Cream, uh, Rolling Stone magazine, uh, the NME, all of these, you know, kind of essential texts from 70s, 80s, uh, you know, kind of music journalism that that's just not there anymore. Uh, it's either like the absolute heights of the culture, the New York Times, the pitchforks, you know, the Condé Nast conglomerate at this point, or just absolutely nothing uh, or not nothing, but uh, just a thousand, you know, a million little voices screaming into the void down below. So I do think that there is a uh, a, a space or, or a desire uh, as consumers, you know, and I'm, again, I'm coming back to this uh, from my own personal experience as someone who likes to listen to basketball podcasts and yeah, politics podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Like, I just want to hear smart people talk about things that I find interesting in a, you know, casual, conversational, and insightful manner. And I think that's exactly where this whole kind of genre and format fits in. Well, I um, I appreciate yeah. that very much. I, I think the, the shift that you were describing in terms of the, uh, almost the disillusion of um, all of these uh, previous behemoths and cultural criticism is that it's just everyone can opine anywhere now there's just opinions everywhere but i think you're also right for some reason some of us and i'm not trying to toot our own horn have gravitated (laughs) towards these new media platforms to do that same kind of work like i write i used to write about these things the things i talk about and the interviews i did were primarily for writing 
And now sure. for, well, for a long time, I've been sharing. The reason I got into this was because I had a radio show with my wife and I realized that I would spend 45 minutes interviewing someone, but the article that it was for was 150 words. Right. And I was like, well, what about the other part of it? I want to share the whole thing. So then I would put, I would edit it to get, I'd say, Hey, uh, I know this is for print, but can we pretend we're on the radio and then I'll play it on my morning show next week? And everyone was like, Oh, sure. And then I, I felt fulfilled. Like if you're a purist about this artist, I would think you want to hear more. And this was, this was like 2006 or something. And then podcast started. Anyway, now I'm telling you my story. I'm just saying, I think there's been (laughs) among people like us, there's a hunger for more. And I think we're trying to fulfill that and express that when there's very few, we can do it ourselves. And that also means there's a glut. But luckily, I would, I don't know if you guys feel fortunate. I feel fortunate for standing out. Um, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. In this field. So what we haven't got to and I want to get to, I'm mindful of the time. Thank you for this uh, today, uh, fellas. But the basic question I haven't asked, and I will start with Ian, is the kind of structure of this show. Uh, we've talked about your relationship. I think we have a handle on why you'd want to get together and chat. I'm going to begin with Ian. Ian, Jokerman, as I have alluded to, has an organic aspect to it. It start, I think it started it. You know what? Fuck it. How did this show start? What was your concept? And, and how did it get to where it is now? Ian, can you start? Absolutely, yeah. So it started, uh, as you know, you might be able to tell from the title, as a show about Bob Dylan after Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, Bob Dylan, quote unquote, you know, kind of the cultural uh, icon of the mid 60s. Uh, so our first conversation was about John Wesley Harding. We kind of took the motorcycle crash moment, which I won't bother to get into right now for those who aren't familiar, but I'm sure most people are. That kind of marks a, uh, a clear break with where he was before and where he would go after. Uh, and just started talking about those kind of uh, albums because just to tie back to what we were just talking about, there's been a zillion fucking articles written about Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 and um, and bring it all back home. And at a certain point, you can just you can't read any more about those. There there isn't anything new to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there wasn't nearly the level of conversation about almost any other Bob album. Obviously, you got your blood on the tracks and your desire, uh, your desires, and you know. There's a couple high points uh, in terms of cultural um, maybe sl- maybe say. slow train maybe oh mercy maybe. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, but the, just in general you know there there wasn't uh, uh, anyone really talking about that kind of stuff the way that we wanted to talk about it and consider it besides again your capsule all music review which uh, I I remember for the first time like this real kind of like visceral reaction I had. I had never listened to Bob Dylan at Budokan, the 1979 live album, before starting the show, because anytime I had gone through the Bob page on all music, that always stood out as like a one and a half star kind of record. And their their write-up was just like, this sucks, totally inessential, don't even bother, don't waste your time. And then as soon as I started listening to it, I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and so that that alone, I think, has has really... Uh, uh, informed a lot of the kind of approach and, and mindset that I have tried to take, no pun intended, yeah. uh, over the following couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, we went through the whole Bob discography uh, and that really took quite some time. We kind of strung it out there as best we could, doing some revisited episodes and getting into things as uh, as deep as An album covers about the or back, back, the back album cover covers. Of- <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, at a certain point we realized, you know, this was... This had become bigger than Bob and, and would go on to become bigger than Bob. And so 
uh, you know, we had kind of talked about Lou being the next major subject of ours uh, after Bob, even when we ever got to, you know, after Bob. Uh, and then uh, at a certain point, we realized, like, wait, this this could be so much bigger than just Lou Reed. This is Lou Reed and John Cale and everyone involved in the Velvet Underground and everyone with kind of associated uh, uh, connections um, uh, leading off from there. And so that's kind of been our project over the last couple months uh, since last summer. Um, and I think we've got a pretty good handle on what uh, kind of other concepts we can explore in the future. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, we have also known and been aware that everyone loves the Bob content uh, and uh, just he is the one person who you can just talk about endlessly and so that's where our more recent show Never Ending Stories with Stephen Hyden uh, comes in where we're exploring a deeply unexplored uh, but deeply uh, bountiful area of Bob's career the live performances absolutely Um, so we're kind of trying to thread the needle and uh, hit everything that we can as much as we can going into the future no, that's a thank you for summarizing uh, all of that. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have, uh, I know you've seen them, uh, and probably a lot. Uh, I'm up around 40 times, I think, uh, over the last. Oh, oh, you got, no, you got us beat. Well, You're, I'm older than you. I think I, I'm older yeah, than you. I, I love them and I, I'm sad I haven't been able to see them on this, uh, latest run because by all accounts and from what I've seen, he's, it looks amazing and sounds amazing. He's but, killing it. Yeah. Evan, um, and I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to follow up on anything Ian just said about the, the structure of the show. But one thing I would be remiss in not asking you both about is your social media curation. I know that sounds very corporate and uh, whatever, but it's fucking great. Like you guys are really funny oh, and you do a really great job of, I don't know, you just, you, you, you post things and I end up going down these wormholes of like, oh, I didn't even see that before. Like what the hell about anyone? I, I will also tell you that based on one of your recommendations, I bought Anthony DeCurtis's Lou Reed biography over the Christmas break. Yeah. Devoured it. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, so, good. um, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. I, it feels very, um, generous, uh, is what I'm getting at. I know people like us can be viewed as, uh, snarky or full of ourselves or what the hell people, Sorry, I always get upset when people are like, be nice if uh, the host didn't talk so much on their show. And I'm like, it's my it's my show. Like, what do you want from exactly. who's going to lead this conversation? It's usually with people who are soft spoken. Right. And you can't help yeah. but sound like, I don't know, I, I might, I'm a blowhart. You, I'm no, doing it right now. we have the same thing, you know, yeah, especially yeah. when you I, get certain yeah, musicians it, in who aren't used to just shucking and jiving on mic for 90 minutes. It's, yeah. It can be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Evan, can you follow up on anything Ian said about the structure of the show? But also, do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. how you view the, the, the podcast sort of um, internet presence generally? Oh, totally. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. I think that the the way that we've done, and you said it was generous. It's like the way that I think that we've come to think of it is like, if you want to talk about the artists that we talk about, like the, the reason why it's Bob Dylan and why it's Lou Reed and why it's Steely Dan or John Cale or Marky Smith, all white guys. Oops. Um, that has nothing to do with the, uh, the point here, the point being these guys all care about each other. They all build upon each other. So it's just like, that's the connection. And I think that when you get into the, any of what those individual artists do, you're getting way more than just them because they're all artists who care a lot about the past. They all 
were um, deeply moved by each other's work, whether they would ever admit it or not. Some are much more inclined to keep that close to the vest, but there's no Lou Reed without Bob Dylan. There's no Velvet Underground without Bob Dylan. This is like fact. There's no, they were when John Gale and Lou Reed were making their first little demos strumming around, they were, you know, John Cale has just said like, yeah, uh, Bob Dylan was like the pinnacle. So we were kind of like, well, we want to throw our hat into this. And so that's established. We now know that just like the rest of music history does not happen. This the way that we know and love it. If, if not for like literally for that one guy and then the domino or ripple effect of what he did. And then what the Velvets did. Yeah. What, uh, I mean, literally it's, it's Marky Smith's birthday. And I discovered, uh, from a Mark, a fall fan account, there's this, these pictures of his grammar school English, like composition journal. And it's, it's got white light, white heat scribbled on the front. And there's a list of every Velvet Underground song that he just like wrote down by hand, just like bored in class, uh, ostensibly. And, you know, Steely Dan, they like said, you know, it's all, you know, Bob Dylan, big influence. Like the, these things to me, it's so much is there, like just to point out. So when it comes to saying whether like calling it generous, it's like, I feel like it's so easy, relatively easy just to once you recognize that flip that or like just point a finger with social media, with what we do on the show just be like, look, it's it's all there. Like it's all it's not even hidden that there's this lineage, this connective tissue between these artists that everyone kind of knows by name at least. Yeah. Most more or less. Well so like Yeah. When I say generous, I think I think you're trying to create a community out of this. It's yeah, it's sharing it's yeah. sharing information. So based on what you're saying, um, I think it's fair to say that between Bob Dylan, The Velvet Underground, The Fall, Steely Dan, Jokerman, Creative Control. We all have a lot in common. I, I think that's where we've landed. Is that, is this callback not working anymore? I, I just can't stop saying it, but we, well, we're trying I, to. <laughs> I'll try to put a little bow on the rambling I just did, but it, that it was, um, yeah, like generous. I feel like those guys, that music, these bodies of work, that's generous. And then like, it's so, uh, it turns out it's really easy to just create a community out of that because every, there's so many people who care deeply about all these things individually. And then to notice, to point out that they're all connected, it's like suddenly everybody realizes that they kind of like the same stuff. They're like all, we've all been talking about the same thing the whole time. And there's so much to discover that's like right under the surface about how even those artists feel the same way. No, but I mean, yes. And I think when I get into Silver Jews and everyone you've just cited, for example, all of the artists except, nah, maybe there's some Steely Dan. I think of Pavement. There's no Pavement without right. everyone you just mentioned. Everyone. And and that was, mm -hmm. that is, that was a huge band for me as a teen. It is a huge band for me now. And when I think about the lineage yeah, I think that's kind of where we're coming from. There's commonality between us. There's lineage between us and them. And we're trying to kind of pick up on that as we start these conversations and have these kinds of, you know, reflective ponderings of, of these works, some of them 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. So 
I'm also going to try to put a bow on your bow, uh, if that makes any sense, Evan. And uh, uh, Ian, anything to follow up on based on what we were just discussing? No, I think that uh, that does it. I the, just uh, one thing that occurred to me or that always makes me laugh is you know when we when we uh, started doing the the velvet stuff last uh, summer, someone tweeted at us or left a review on us somewhere. Or said I don't know. It came across the wire somehow, and they were like, "This is a great idea that they're going to do a Velvet Underground Lou Reed John Cale podcast." But what makes what makes these two the the right ones to do it? Uh, to which our answer was just, we didn't publicize this or anything, but the answer obviously comes very naturally. It's because we're the ones that are fucking doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If we're not going to do it, who else is? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody. Being, being a, being public figures, if you will, you end up getting like, for me, it's like nine out of 10 is like a complimentary thank yous and gratitude. And then there's always the one or two that stick in your craw questioning why you're even, why you exist. <laughs> so anyway i'm glad you two exist and i appreciate you and your show um uh evan if people want to learn more about jokerman uh the podcast uh the llc uh all the other <laughs> entities around it uh where would you like to kind of direct them uh well we have jokerman uh on instagram we've got the jokerman on uh i, I don't know what the actual or the ads like it's just jokerman podcast on twitter and I believe on Instagram it's the same. And then, of course, we have just links uh, on both of those that you can uh, find the actual shows themselves and the Patreons and everything. I do want to just throw in, when it comes to the social media question, I just think we have an appetite for like just trying to find things that are even novel to us to share, like these pictures that like we didn't know existed. Um, there's a lot of really great fan accounts that have been really helpful to us. Like just actually volunteering, like, hey, it's like a guy with like a, a trench coat and a bunch of watches, just like I've got some really rare John Kales if you want, <laughs> and we we're always like, yeah, sure, but yeah, I think we we really um, have, I think uh, just it sucks to like look at a fan page and it's just like all these like blurry photos and a lot of them have like the the Getty Images tag thing like the watermark on it and I think. Uh, it's just out of a, a sense of love and respect for the the subjects that we want to try to like as much as we can put novel images and uh, texts out there. Um, and so it's as fun for us to do uh, that as it is for anybody else to like discover it. It's, if you see it, it's because we were like laughing about it to each other um, or just stoked to see it ourselves. For what it's worth, I enjoy it immensely. Uh, as you uh, maybe as whoever, whichever one of you runs those things, you'll see that I try to Joint effort. engage with them, sometimes share them and uh, uh, all that stuff. I, I think you're doing a great job all around. And it's it it also I'm slightly envious because I'm at that age where I want out of most of the social media. I just kind of <laughs> do the bare. I'm just like, here's the show, whatever else you want to do. I'm, I can't come up with pithy comments uh, the way I once did. And I'm just like, I'm tired and busy. And I here just take the show. That's what it, that's the most important thing for me. But you guys do just a great job of curating the experience you, of not only listening to your show, but immersing uh, your followers in the artists that you're uh, interested in. So I just wanted to commend you on it. And I, I, you're younger than me, but I look up to you. I need to do more of that stuff. Is what I'm getting at. So uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you well, so much. You're just uh, one Ian, man. Uh, it too. is. We've got. I am other. only one person. That's true. I need a partner, but I also 
don't always work well with others, I guess. Anyway, my point is this, uh, <laughs> uh, Ian, it is, uh, as we're speaking, it's very early March. I know you've got plans. I know you probably don't want to share too many of them. For those uh, looking forward to Jokerman, maybe ideas, concepts coming up in the next few months, anything to preview at this point? Uh, just more, you know, we're, we're going to keep, keep, keep on keeping on. Uh, we've got never ending stories, uh, going, uh, with, with Steven. Uh, so check that out. Never ending stories, uh, on Patreon. And there's also a pod feed. I don't know when this is going to run necessarily, but as we speak, we've got our first guest episode coming up on that we program can with, is, right? no, 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 no. We got to keep it a surprise. We got to keep it a surprise. It's going to be a big, big, big what reveal. About we'll tell you show, Vish. Uh, we'll, we're going to get them to, we're going to get them to, to pay attention to us. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, on the regular program, we're going to keep going with, uh, with Lou and John. We're in it's smack dab in the middle of the eighties. Um, and, uh, we're going to finish that out strong. I think maybe do a little, a little more velvet underground kind of stuff coming up. Um, but, uh, you know, more, more, more good music. Okay. Well, listen, I commend you immensely. Thank you for making your show and for being, sweet and nice people to me personally and all your fans and followers and uh you're you're enriching uh these communities and i just want to say that uh with all gratitude so thank you for and thank you for this we spent a lot of time together today and i know it's you got other things to do ian i believe congratulations on your upcoming uh you know thing am i allowed to talk about yes you're getting married yeah my nuptials yes congratulations on that and uh thank you and best of luck with everything and yeah Ian, Evan, thank you so much. I wish you the best luck in the future. I hope we talk soon. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rish. This is the best. You're you're the best. (laughs) I don't want to. We we really just, it's really great to have uh, you be so generous to have us on. It's like we we podcasters got to stick together. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, once again, deep thanks to uh, Ian and Evan of the Jokerman podcast and the Never Ending Stories podcast for appearing on my podcast. In fact, the 761st episode of this podcast, which is called Creative Control and is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation 
That sustains this podcast. That is the primary source of revenue. It is, as I mentioned to Ian and Evan, a modest Patreon, but it's so meaningful to me that uh, people support the show uh, with their with their dollars um, and their listenership. It really does mean a lot. So, And by the way, $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content from my archives. Uh, if you're here for Bob Dylan Chatter, I believe one of the first things I posted uh, as a bonus uh, cut from my Patreon is my interview with D.A. Pennebaker from golly when was it it must have been uh 2007 or 8 i can't remember but it was a long time ago and uh, of course uh, he has since passed away anyway i try to find little treats like that and i put them up uh, up there on the patreon and for six dollars or more american a month you get access to that and uh and you get the episodes earlier and some other perks too so please uh you know i know people don't even some of you don't even care about the perks you just want to support the show and that means a lot too if you want to do any of those things or access any of those things, again, visit patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you. Thanks again to the uh, amazing Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music with physical locations in Edmonton and Calgary, but you can learn more about them and order things right from their website at blackbird.ca. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. I want to thank uh, my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Ian and Evan from Jokerman Podcast. I hope you will listen to their show. It's a fine and dandy one, and uh, we have a, we become buddies, maybe. We're, I think we're buddies. We're long-distance buddies. I don't know. I, uh, who am I to say? But it feels that way. They're great. I hope you subscribe to their show, and I hope you subscribe to this one and follow it. And tell your friends all about us and me. Me especially, in this case. It's my outro, goddammit. And uh, <laughs> spread the word about Creative Control if you can, and Jokerman. All right, you're good. You're good people. You listened this far. You must be. I think you're great. Thank you so much. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.